What's going on, everybody? Ethan Parker here. Welcome to the Outbound Squad podcast. Here at Outbound Squad, we're on a mission to help reps turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're an SDR or an AE who's doing any sort of outbound prospecting, cold calls, cold emails, LinkedIn, et cetera, and if you're an AE and you're working those deals to close, you're in the right place. Um, today, we have a little bit different of an episode for this segment. Normally we're addressing questions from you all, the audience, but today we have an interview with a good friend of mine and um, uh, SVP of sales and partnerships over at Wedge, Sean Paulsmith. Uh, we're gonna chat about some really cool ideas and tactics that you can use to leverage some of what marketing is doing with things like events, conferences, webinars, roundtables, in order to, you know, number one, stir up some more leads and meetings, of course, but number two, create some really great content that you can then repurpose and use for personal branding, for drips and nurture campaigns, and all sorts of things. Sean's doing a really great job at a lot of these uh, texts over a wedge. And so I think you all will enjoy. Lastly, if uh, any of you listening, if you're a rep out there and you have a question, scenario, uh, concern, you'd like us to address one of the upcoming episodes of uh, the mailbag edition of Outbound Squad podcast, you can visit outboundsquad.com forward slash mail and submit your question there. You will remain anonymous and we'll break it down in one of the upcoming episodes. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Today, we have a good friend of mine and Brendan's uh, fellow outbound squatter, known Sean for a little while. So Sean Paulsip is the SVP of sales and partnerships over at Wedge, just doing some really cool things. Actually lost a sales cycle to them a little while back. So that stung a little bit. <laughs> and uh, we're uh, Sean's doing some really cool things I'm excited to dig into, do, uh, dig into today. But uh, Sean, man, thanks for joining. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I appreciate the, the intro there. I wasn't sure if you're going to bring up the uh, lost sales cycle there, but I'm glad you did. So happy to be on that as well. Um, but yeah, super fired up to be uh, be here, and and thanks a lot for the time. Yeah. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna advertise the wins, we gotta we gotta advertise L's <laughs> too, you know. So. Yeah. No. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, we got some cool things to dig into today. Um, one thing that uh, that I want to uh, dig into it. First, and this was not on your prep document intentionally, because um, I want it off the top of your head. But would love to hear your quick spill on man, like how you uh, how you found your way to sales, man. Yeah, you know what? Um, so I started off kind of quintessential um, sales, kind of fell into it. Um, I believe I was a recruiter at first, um, which later on actually came in, into an advantage. Um, but anyway, I was a recruiter for a bit. Did HR, realized I didn't really want to do that, was looking for a role, saw a friend at like a mutual birthday party who worked in a media and was selling events, high volume, transactional, get on the phone, standing up kind of thing. Um, so I ended up getting in there, kind of an open concept office, big stack of papers before even a CRM, just phone numbers and scribbled old notes from people that used to work there and be like, hop on that phone and start calling. So that's kind of where I started um, and then kind of grew from there. But I will say all of that stuff that I learned um, in my first two years selling are still quite apparent and, and relevant today. Um, so learned a lot there and I'm grateful for that role. Yeah, super cool. I uh, 
uh, not a lot of people in today's world were around whenever there was like that type of sales and prospecting going on. Because I, I told, I used to a long time ago work for this. We sold construction data. So we'd call these big construction companies and we had software to tell them about the bids that are coming and things like that. And I remember we had, it was just rows of cubicles for the salespeople and my phone was on a cord and it was attached to the desk, but I can't like sit still and make cold calls. Like I need to move. So I I went and I bought like a 50 foot extension for my, uh, for my phone cord. And I put, (laughs) the manager got so mad at me. I like drilled this screw into the middle of the floor and mounted a pulley on it so I could walk up and down the aisle and it not get like on other people's desk. And everyone's so mad, but that's what it was there. And it was just like, we used a gold mine. I don't know if that's even around anymore. That old ass CRM, like before sales. Yeah. We, had, we had like one computer with gold mine on it and then stack of papers with leads and just go do it. <laughs> the best is that because those leads, some of my leads were old, that you get all these bizarre notes that people also wrote down and you had no idea why they were relevant or what they were thinking at the time. So you'd have to try to make sense of it pretty fast. Um, and you're also panting and running around and other people are talking around you. It was just pure chaos. Pure um, chaos. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, sorry to chat today. We, uh, Sean has, Sean has some cool things he's doing. Uh, kind of, you know, beyond just like the normal outbound stuff he's doing with the team to, to bring in some leads and folks and Sean, I really want to dig into a couple of, a couple of those. So first, um, you and I have been chatting recently around, um, you running some webinars and round tables and, you know, using that as opportunities to, you know, get in front of some more prospects and, and, you know, lead gen start conversations. Um, I know you, you mentioned it kind of has been going really well for you and I'm, I'm a big fan of the strategy yeah. in general. So before we dig into maybe some of the specifics or wherever you'd like to take it, could you t- tell me a little bit of kind of like from a company standpoint, when you're thinking about the strategy of the team, how do you think that kind of or differentiate between, you know, the purpose of a webinar and then like a round table. And if that strategy of like outreach changes at all to try to like get folks into that or wherever you feel like taking that question. But I think it's something that people don't talk about a lot. And they are kind of very different things in my mind. You could do like in-person roundtables too, if that opportunity came up, you know? So how are, how are kind of you thinking of that from like a strategy level and, you know, as a lead gen strategy? Yeah, no, hundred percent. So I think the foundation of those is really from trying to build your brand and credibility. There's a huge question in sales is how can you be credible when you're talking to these thought leaders and whatnot, who you're selling to, and maybe you've only sold into their one or two years. Um, And a webinar is also a great way for you to connect with customers to build your confidence talking and learning from them why you're selling it to them, even if you're starting right off, whether you're an SDR, AE, or a sales leader, even going to that customer first, building that cloud in that industry and webinars and how I think and differentiate between like a roundtable and webinar, and you can start to use that for lead gen. Um, is webinars, you can do it on a specific topic. Maybe there's a specific customer or industry or specific topic that keeps coming up. Um, time and time again, and you wanted to double down it. And you can kind of be like, hey, maybe I'm not an expert yet, but I'm going to get someone to talk about it and I can be a host. Thus, you'll actually learn from this person while you're doing so. You're doing prep for it, all that kind of thing. Then you can post on LinkedIn, post it on your feed. Hey, we work within this industry. This is someone talking about our product or even a topic that kind of you touches on as well. You can be direct and you can be indirect as well. 
Um, and then as you begin to build that confidence and all this video is everything and you can post them on LinkedIn, have your own YouTube channel. There's a lot of different things or even your podcasts, I would say. And then you can build it up to doing virtual roundtables or in-person roundtables at actual events like Las Vegas. People love getting together, renting at a restaurant, things like that. You can do a virtual roundtable where you get maybe two customers and then you invite two prospects. And it's not a direct selling for those two prospects because you're talking about topics in their industry that they love talking about. You can reach out and be like, hey, we're doing a lot of thought leadership in topic X, Y, and Z. You may actually help with that indirectly, your product does. But you're being like, we would love to another thought leader because you've talked about this in the past. You've been part of other podcasts. It's about immersing yourself kind of in their world. And I think indirectly, it helps you learn, build your own brand. And you connect with these people both on the customer front and prospect. And it's not a direct ask saying, hey, buy our product. It's, hey, be part of this ecosystem and talk about yourself and what you're learning in the industry right now. And it's kind of a win-win for everyone. So you can do that virtually. You can do that in person. There's so many different variations, and I think it can help with people from the SDR, SDR level just trying to learn and, and learn the ropes and build their brand on LinkedIn, all the way up to VPs of sales and having those high-level, important conversations with leaders that they're selling into. It's uh, it's very fascinating, Sean. It, it's funny. I connected with a fellow outbound member. He's like going through... He wants to set up like a round table. His CEO has a lot of connections in his territory yeah. and has a lot of presence, right? Uh, on the topic that you know that they sell um, or that they provide a solution for, one yeah. of the challenges that he's bringing up is coordinating everything between marketing, CEO schedule, um, potential partnerships. So, as a rep and someone probably you know behind putting all this together, you know, what are some best practices or steps that you could do to like get that ball rolling? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, schedules can be, and that's why I think in the virtual world, it's advantageous as opposed to doing this in person because getting everyone on the same line, time zone in the same place, whether it's ahead of a partner that you work with, a customer, a prospect, and then a CEO, your own CEO. It's like, there's no way you can get everyone in the same room. So helping, I think doing it virtually helps tremendously. Um, but also giving them a window. Hey, we're thinking of doing it this week. What works with you? And kind of leaving it open-ended and do it from the, I would say, the most important person in that room. So maybe the VP or CEO that you may be selling to that you need to chat with. And that's the most important piece of the puzzle. And then kind of trickling down, hey, we're thinking about doing that later in this week. What works there? And kind of slowly, no matter what, it's kind of a pain in the ass doing scheduling for these things, quite honestly. Um, but the virtual side of it and the virtual element to it does help and making sure that you can get those people that you want to be on it that are about most important and priority, get them scheduled in and let the other people kind of um, fill in the, the spots afterwards, which has helped me in the past. Yeah, that makes sense. I would imagine timing of like how far out it is to like matter oh, yeah. when you start doing outreach. Do you have a, I mean, I don't know, it's popping up in my head. I feel like I wouldn't. If I'm reaching out to someone like the week before, I feel like I'm going to run into a lot more problems and trying to get them in. So, I mean, are you thinking about like two, three weeks, three, four weeks? Like, I guess kind of how far out when you're, we've locked down a time with our most important guests, as you mentioned. And then now yeah. we want to hear some other folks to come on. Uh, I guess kind of like how, like, where are you pushing the gas pedal? I'd probably give them at least a month out. I've kind of created a structure of a webinar every month and a virtual roundtable, which involves more people, more schedules, a quarter out. So give them a couple months. 
We're thinking of doing it at the end of quarter. What are you thinking? Are you around? Are you traveling? And you get their sense of when they're available. Um, but if there's only one or two people in a webinar, give them a couple of weeks. A month seems to to, to work. Um, but yeah, to your point, you got to give them some time a week before. You know that won't work out, um, and then you have to start from square one. When you do uh, when you do the webinars, because like the roundtable part, that seems you know, yeah fairly easy to kind of work out the balance of guests. I mean, maybe not when we talk about it, but on the webinar, do you also try to get, um, do you try to like guest speakers for that? Or is it usually like the company that's putting that on? How, how do you think about that? A couple things. So for, you mentioned lead gen before web webinars with partners and partner channels have been quite um, fruitful in terms of kind of direct leads. So if you do a, a webinar with maybe one other person or maybe someone that uses that specific software that I'm partnered with or integrate with, it builds clout with that partnership. Or you do a, even a round table with a bunch of people that use that software that you integrate with. It shows, hey, we work with all these customers, they love us. And then you can give those videos or maybe it's one webinar or a virtual round table to that partner that they can then post internally being like, hey, this is a partner that we have and send it out to their sales team, customer success. It kind of sells itself because there's all these people that are using it and also as a customer of theirs and as a customer of ours, it makes sense to then put that up internally and use that channel on your behalf to do a lot of that work for you without having a massive sales team. Are you... I'm skipping ahead. Are you... Um, are you like using pieces of this in your outreach then? Is that also kind of like, um, you know, when you have these webinars, you have guest speakers, are you trying to like clip them up and, and like drop them in, in outreach or? Yeah, I, I use it quite a bit for nurturing. So it's a great way. I mean, I've connected with someone, your topic kind of, you're like, this is awesome. Like, but it's six months out. It could be an enterprise sales cycle. Maybe SMB. they're like, it's just not a good time. Economy is going to shift. Whatever the case may be, it's not good timing. It's a great way to re-engage them and be like, "Hey, we're doing a we're doing a, a webinar in X Y Z, which you know that they're a topping expert in because there's so much content on every single leader in there. You sure as hell can probably find a podcast relative, um, like articles. But there's tons of industry articles that may have shown this person's name and stuff like that. So following them, immersing yourself in that kind of in their world and being like, Hey, you just chatted with so-and-so about X, Y, and Z. Maybe you help that. Maybe your product helps with that as well. Or maybe it doesn't, maybe it's just something about your industry. Maybe it's for credibility. You reach out, would you mind hopping on a webinar with us? Because you already know they like talking about it. And I would send them maybe an email. If I'm connected with them on LinkedIn, send them a video saying, Hey, this is me. We're doing a webinar on X, Y, and Z. I just saw your article talking about it. I just saw you on a podcast. I just saw you in an event there's tons of events or an award show. You were, you were just awarded this. That's awesome. Would love to have you on a webinar. I'm just starting out. We're just looking for a thought leader for this. Would you be open to that? It's four weeks out. What works with you kind of thing. You know what I mean? So keep it kind of high level. But because we're in the world of content everywhere, it's pretty easy, depending on who you're selling to, to find content that's relevant to them and then base that webinar on it. And you know they can speak highly of it in that topic. And it's a great way to nurture them because if they say it's not a good time, then maybe two months out, you say, hey, we're doing a webinar. You get to know them a bit more. You chat with them before the webinar. You chat, chat with them after 
they know who you are. You know what I mean? Like it kind of builds credibility and it helps you with that nurturing instead of sending them the odd article. Hey, I thought of you here. You know, like it's you're now kind of more involved in their world because then they can share it in their kind of ecosystem too. And that's you with them in their ecosystem on LinkedIn, which is powerful too. Yeah. Wow. There's a, I want to stay on this kind of like activity and, and, and outreach approach. Yeah. Um, I heard you on, uh, you know, front of the show's Jason Bay's podcast talking about, hey, how can we maximize and capitalize on events like this? Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the like how you can generate and keep momentums going with with your conversations with people that attended the event and uh, maximize the yeah. meetings that you could set. Um, would love to just hear your approach on how you can you know leverage the event to really you know continue sales cycles, re-engage sold deals. Um, kind of what is your approach to get kind of book up your calendar as you're, uh, you know, as you're trying to, you know, build these relationships and conversations with them. For sure. And I think an event is a great way to re-engage and even start building podcasts or webinar content through your marketing and, and, and yourself, because you know, if they're a speaker or not, maybe it's someone who's just attending, you know, they're there for a reason. Maybe you had a conversation with them, you know, well, Hey, I'm here to see so-and-so because they were speaking on that. And you actually attended that and, and thus you actually learn from them as well. So maybe you two or three weeks after you didn't want to hard sell them right out the event, totally get that. You follow up being like, Hey, you're really interested in so-and-so we're doing a thought leadership round table. Um, and this is where it can get interesting because you can get someone that you know is interested in that topic to come talk on your round table, but you could get two customers that also know about it. So you're kind of indirect selling to them and then maybe get someone else. So you're getting a lot of people nurtured as well as kind of, involved within your ecosystem and where you can actually help and you can pepper these out throughout um, throughout the year so if there's an actual event you can follow up with this kind of content creation um, nurturing so to speak every month or a couple weeks if you have a podcast yourself people are pumping out podcasts like every week i'm not saying you can do that but there are so many cool ways and interesting ways you can do that and, and reach back out instead of being Hey, is it time yet? Hey, is it time yet? It's like, hey, no, we're speaking about this. Um, I would love to have you on that on the on the podcast or the webinar or roundtable I met you at the event to chat a bit further about it. It seems that you're well inclined in this. And if they're a speaker, you already know they love talk, talking about themselves or talking about that specific topic. So it's really easy to reach back out. Um, another, I think, tip for that is award shows. So there's tons of award shows in specific industries where people are. And for particular, because it's virtual now, right? So people are winning awards and they post it in their LinkedIn thing. Hey, I just won this award. And now maybe it's not in every industry, but you can go on down that list and reach out to them. Hey, you were an award. You won because you're a top leader in this. They're going to probably accept that LinkedIn invite or they won an award for a specific area. You can then structure an email to outreach that. And then be like, hey, we'd love to have you on a webinar to talk about why, how you won that. Or if it's in a specific topic, you must be an expert. I'm just trying to learn our company. This is what we do. So award shows and events like that are great ways for prospecting and knocking and breaking down barriers because everyone gets excited being, hey, it was so exciting that you just won that award. Um, you must be an expert in X, Y, and Z. Let's get you on here because we want to, we want to chat with you. And nine times out of 10, they'll probably say yes. And you don't even have to talk about what you do or what you sell. You're just getting them involved. And that's a great first conversation to get that going too. So that's another weird event 
that depending on your industry, if there's award shows and stuff, if you're a BDR or AE, you can knock those off fast, put them in a sequence. Hey, you just won that. Congratulations. This is what I do. We're doing a lot of thought leadership in that. Um, I'd love to earn the right to buy you a virtual coffee and learn a bit more and we do webinars or whatever, however you want to say it. Yeah. This is such a good thing. It, it lines up with something Brent and I have been talking about a lot recently and, and me as well with other folks and, and like the long-term mindset as a seller and like this being your career and like making small deposits over time because I think that's where a lot of sellers and companies go wrong with this kind of thing is, you know, we have a fluffy webinar that's basically just like a pitch about our product. And then like, we're following up hammer and, you know, like trying to, you know, book meetings and, and it's like super low result. And they're like, Oh, I can't book any meetings. And I tried that. It wasn't worth it. And it's like, I don't know. I'd be curious. I didn't talk to you about this before, but I'd be curious to like, see if I'm like, what I'm saying resonates with how you think about it. Cause in my mind, the way I think about these webinars, round tables is like, I don't really expect to get anything from this right now, like at least not at a high percentage. Like I think there will be some that it's like, oh, this is super relevant timing and it's, 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 you know, and it works out and we have it and I'm okay with that. And yeah. I'm going to leverage the content like you're talking about and use that to drip out across channels, nurture, et cetera. And there might be a few small percentage that it's just really hyper relevant time. the rest of them, like you said, is it's usually like kind of, well, I was interested in this topic, but like, I don't want to buy your thing right now but just like building that goodwill and reputation and, and like what I'm doing this year, I'll, you know, maybe reap benefits from next year or next half year or whatever, next quarter, a little bit delayed. Or do you kind of think about this in the same way and like your strategy of how you set these up, follow up, et cetera? Dude, yeah, hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head there. I, I think of it as building your brand and credibility in, 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 in your industry. And it all, to be honest with you, it's also a great way to sell yourself in your industry for future jobs. People know you can talk about that topic with someone in that industry. People are going to be knocking on your door and be like, wow, that was amazing. Like, you know, those people, like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many cool things beyond kind of what you said, the marketing polished webinar, and then you just drive the leads there. There's campaigns. This is also for you building your own brand. And in that case, you're also learning from the person and connecting with people and having a conversation as opposed to doing a hard sell or calling that person right after, which is appropriate at times, don't get me wrong. But for your to your point, the long-term play, building your own brand over time and you getting more comfortable just talking to these people is going to pay dividends down the road, no matter what. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I have so many questions when I ask you. Um, but I, I mean, this was very much when I started the podcast, when I started doing all this, it was very much like, hey, I sell to sales leaders. So let me start a podcast and just interview sales leaders and build relationships with people. And I had no expectation of like anything happening. And then like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 episodes in, we started getting leads coming in off of it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you know? I, uh, I was so, one of those leads, wasn't I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Technically. <laughs> Uh, you, a couple other folks and, um, and those sales conversations, man, were just like the easiest sales conversations ever because they're already coming in with like respect and credibility for you and like, feel like they know you a little bit. It's, it's a whole different ball game. Um, well, one thing I, I think would be interesting to unpack, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how much you have to say on this topic, but your SVP of sales. So you can say, Hey, we're going to do this webinar. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. I'm sure there's probably some sort of approval process for you too. I'm not belittling that, but if you're an eight that's listening to this yeah. right and you're like, oh, this is great. I wish our company was doing this. Um, I haven't 
seen what happens when folks try to navigate this from like a, that level up. Like it's, it's usually coming from, a, from, from above. Do you have any thoughts on maybe how an AE could like either a just do it and maybe it's not underneath the company name and they do it as like their own brand and maybe that's the better route to go. And they, the company then sees it and they want to get involved or uh, is there a way to maybe approach this conversation with, with your leader or I guess like for, for a seller listening to this, like how could they take advantage of some of those tactics if it's not coming from the top down? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I would say I would start gradually doing it on your own. You see, I've seen some AEs to start posting videos. It's fairly easy to do so on, on LinkedIn, talking about the industry, talking about sales, talking about whatever it is they may be doing. And I think video is is pretty easy to do now and, and post. Um, and starting to weave in conversations. Now, a great way to do this is having your own podcast. Now, not everyone's going to do that. But that's a great way to build your own brand and have it's the Sean show and we're going to have people on every week kind of thing. And you start weaving in people that you're actually selling to. And finally, your company's like, holy fuck, like we actually need to get this person and, and start branding it and all that kind of stuff to actually get it on their radar, depending on how bureaucratic their, their company is. But I would start just getting comfortable posting videos every week, talking about, hey, this is a topic that's going on. What do you think? What are your thoughts? And then tagging people that you're prospecting on. That's a great way to get people involved if, if you're LinkedIn connected with someone posting it LinkedIn connect um, add their name maybe it's a prospect that you're connected with keep doing that and they can I don't think there's anything wrong with that I don't think they're gonna be like hey no that that's just that's just good prospecting um, and then start doing little webinars every week or every month and yeah. like, hey, we're talking about on this topic it's a prospect or it's talking customer success hey can I talk to that customer that I just closed last month or three months, it's going really well. I'd love to do just a brief little webinar on, on, on kind of a topic that's not relevant to what it is that we sell. Maybe it's a topic that's just a thought leadership or something that comes up all the time that they keep hearing and you have a good relationship with them. Maybe start with customers slowly. Do that once a month. Finally, it's going to be like, yeah, we're learning a bunch from these customers. You can start building referral networks through that, through your customers, because you get to know them better. There's a lot of advantages going down that route too. Um, and then you can start building up and then doing it with prospects and virtual roundtables and then getting kind of the eye of the company and then getting support from them. I think it's going to depend. It's easier said than done. But I think starting slow and gradually posting videos and getting your brand out there is going to be kind of step one and then maybe with the customers and then move with those prospects in a, in a bit too. And I don't, I can't see why that would be, why that would be a problem on the, on the company side, but you never know. So. Yeah. I, I have so many bells going off in my head. I, you know, I think it just needs like, if you're a seller here in this and you're like, yeah, I wish we were doing that. Like to me, like what Sean just said, like just call your champion that you close a deal with and like, just ask him to hop on Zoom and say, Hey, you mind if I record this? I'd love to like take snippets and share this with you know other folks that, you know, you, you probably have some value to add. Like no one's going to say no. They're like, yeah, of course. And it doesn't have to be this like formal webinar. It could start there with just some content creation. If you don't have a podcast, that was my thought too, is I think like a podcast would be the easiest way to do this yeah. as an individual, but it could just be a recorded zoom call, man, that you clip up and, and, and put out there. You, if your sales leader kind of gives you a heck or whatever, you can be like, we're using these snippets and putting them in my sequences because there's live videos of someone that I sell to the exact same industry, exact same title saying why they like us. That's like a huge win. 
Well, I don't know how that person would not be able to like, yeah, you can get it from me. I don't trust you. But that person that's in my industry, if you have a big name, if you're going to start up, you landed a big name, you have to work that kind of account like no tomorrow. So using snippets and videos is big time for that too. Yeah. And if you work at a company that does have a problem with it, call Sean. He's hiring. Um, <laughs> or my own aggressive consulting, going in there, yelling at people, getting in trouble. Um, it'll be good. Sean, I, I have a question. The previous company that I, I worked at, we would we would host like webinars, fifteen minute kind of like quick hitter things on like how to accomplish X Y Z. We weren't the, you know, once the event was over, we weren't the speediest at distributing the lead list to the reps. So <laughs> it, it wasn't, you know, if you're a sales leader and you're a rep or you're a marketing person listening to this, how important is speed after <laughs> an event in order to capitalizing on the event? Yeah. Well, as everyone knows, as the, as the saying goes, time time kills all deals or whatever it is like you need to, I, I had a big list of people that have won this award and I, I waited, I kid you not seven days. The first day I did it, I was getting hits and people responding. Hey, yeah, I'll talk to people on my team. We're getting responses. They remembered it as the days went on. They slowly forgot about it. They moved on. They moved on. They went on vacation. They went on vacation. There are so many things that can go in seven days after that event or award show or whatever you're using, that podcast that they were featured on, whatever that may content event may be. And the longer you wait, just the harder it's going to be to get them. And then they're just not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to flag them in their eye, right? They're not going to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's something that I, that I remember, like his subject lines, all that thing, like, Hey, congrats. Or that title of that event is going to catch their eye kind of thing. Um, but yeah, to your point, speed is crucial um, if for any of that kind of stuff and getting on it right away. John, for all the marketing leaders out there, can you say that again? <laughs> yeah, I didn't I want to say title marketing there, um, but yeah, no comment. I don't know if I have any, any marketing leaders or listeners. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah, right. yeah, definitely not. <laughs> um, all right. I want to, uh, I want to chat a little bit about um, channel partnerships as well. Although yeah. I still have some thoughts on this other thing, but it's okay. We limited time here, maybe round two sometime. Um, so channel partnerships. Um, you've been kind of big on this since I met you and, and I'm a, I'm a believer in the method, right? Like anything we can do to get other people on board, pushing our thing and, and, you know, getting us in in places, opening doors, et cetera, is, is always a great route. I think a lot of people do this very wrong or, um, you know, situations pop up where it almost handcuffs you and becomes more of a challenge. Um, so I guess when you're thinking about, I want to set up channel partner, I don't know. What are the key components to consider? You know, like if there, if you're another sales leader and you're trying to figure out a way to set up channel partnerships, what are you looking for? What kind of expectations do you set? Like, yeah. you know, any any details you're willing to share around like agreements to get put in place, tips and tricks there? Would love to dig in a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. I can talk on channel partners quite a bit. I feel like when things go south, and and if you're for with a small company, things like channel partners can save that company. Um, because you may not have the biggest team or anything like that. So partnerships and channel partnerships are imperative for survival. Um, there's a multitude of ways you can go and, and look at it. There's different types of channel partners, obviously. But I think as you immerse yourself, kind of the theme of immersing yourself into that industry, whether it's doing webinars, getting into that content, following people, blah, 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 
you will come across people and you have to be relentless about going to these events, prospecting channel partners will pop up like people that may have worked in that industry that you sell to that are now a consultant and have a vast network. And the only way you're going to do that and meet these people is getting your name out there. And all of everything that we just talked about helps you get your name out there, helps you get your brand out there. And these people will come out to you and be like, Hey, yeah, maybe I've, maybe I've connected or maybe you've sold to this person before and they have their cons- consultancy. You can go to them and be like, Hey, you know what? You have a vast network and, and you know who I am. You have to build up. It's more of a relationship build. I would say than any other type of sale. Technically you got to go and meet them. You got to say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, this is how we help. Is it mutual? Is, is it mutually beneficial? A, if it is, okay, let's figure that out. Is there a referral fee or something? You have a network of thousands of people that I want to sell to and I only have two AEs. How the hell can we figure this out? You get 25% or maybe let's jack it up to 50% because the because it's such a big contract or a small contract. There's different ways you can look at it. Um, and I think there's so many cool different types of channel partners out there. Um, if you're selling into one integration or you have one big partner and that's all you're doing, Maybe it makes sense to just equipping those AEs with everything they need to sell on our behalf so they don't have to slow down that sales cycle. There's ways you can spin it, right? Give them incentives. Maybe those AEs really, and this is once again, you have to go and meet these people. You have to build relationships with them. You have to present to them. They have to know who you are. I think relationship and getting your brand out there and, and letting them know who you are and how they can help them, um, I think is crucial as well. And those incentives are going to change. Like I said, it may be a 25% referral fee for someone but there's AEs, and I remember one of the partners that we have, they says, hey, you know what? I don't want, I kept thinking they want money or they want gift cards to Applebee's or something. You know what I mean? Like I kept thinking all this wild stuff. They're like, nope, they just wanted swag for sweaters and stuff like that. And I never knew that until I went and presented and actually asked and I kept pushing these incentives. They're like, we don't want any of that. You know what I mean? So you have to get to know these people. You have to know what they want, why it's important to them. Um, and if you really integrate and it's a great partnership and stuff like that, then work on it. Go there, see how you can help them out. Um, and continue to close those deals to show them that you're more of a prominent partner and work really well with them. Um, nothing, nothing goes to show like a better partnership than revenue and deals closed. Um, and that's usually a step, step one for some of those bigger partnerships, but channel partners, some of those will just come out of the woodwork and you've got to work with them one-on-one. Hey, how can we help each other out? Is it mutually beneficial? If not, let's move on. There's going to be others. Like don't waste time on people that aren't going to try to help you because you may not have time and you probably don't to really work that. So go and see them, hash it out at an event. Even there's speaking of events, tons of people there go there because they're channel partners, right? So you have to go out there, introduce yourself, get yourself out there. They will come out. Um, And then you have to kind of hash out what, what makes sense in terms of referral fees or revenue shares. Like there's a lot of different variables in there, but it's so important because equipping people to sell them for you is a no brainer, particularly if you're new and these people have vast networks that you need to sell too fast. It's great for a growing company um, and really to get your brand out there as well, which kind of is like all encompassing theme as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> the events piece makes total sense. I'm a big believer that I'm happy that's like coming back, you know, <laughs> after so much time where like live events have been a thing. Um, yeah. So makes total sense outside or, or maybe there's not outside of that. Um, yeah. that's where predominantly, but like, let's say you have a good conversation at an event or someone comes to speak on a webinar that's really great. And, you know, this has been identified as like, Hey, this is, this is someone we should chat with about some sort of partnership. 
Obviously, yeah. the relationships are there. So, so the outreach is probably easier. But I mean, I guess like what type of ask are you making whenever you like reach out? Um, or are you just kind of pretty straightforward? Like, hey, I see some opportunity here that, you know, we can both help one another. We'll love some time to chat about it and what that could look like and see if it's something that would be mutually beneficial and just like really straightforward with it. Are you leveraging some of, you know, the content created in, in other areas to, you know, maybe offer up an idea that you had like, hey, we did a webinar with this person. I think they might be a great customer for you. Um, yeah. Also got me thinking about some of the people you work with and kind of be great customers for us. Would you be able to like, how are you kind of approaching that to like, like get something firm in place to start a conversation? No, you hit on a couple really important pieces there. I think I, I like to be more direct. That's just kind of me. Depending on how close you are with that person, you can be kind of direct. But if there's other things where you want to move the needle, but you just don't really know how, maybe throw them a bone. Like you said, maybe there's someone that you know that would be great to connect with them. And it could even be through the webinar world or or through your product or through your other partners that you have being like, hey, it would be great if I think if you connected with them. Or I have a friend that would love to connect with you because of that and kind of help them with something. Um, they will want to reciprocate that in a way. And that can build that trust to build that partnership further back and forth before anything's in place before you even ask. So there's things just standard sales where you can throw and throw them about that way. Hey, we helped you that way. Um, I think there's a lot. And if people don't want to budge and it's a tough one, there's always data that you can show. Hey, you know what? This is what the industry is seeing. Boom, boom, boom. Instead of being direct, hey, you know what? It makes sense. You've seen me at three or four events. I know you have a network. We've had drinks before. Like, let's get it done here. Let's do a referral fee. Maybe they just don't. Maybe they're more analytical and you need to show them, hey, this is what the industry, this is where hiring is going. This is where the industry is going. Um, this is how we can help. I think it really makes sense here. This is the data we've gone and outcomes from other partners. And you kind of show that to them instead of you ranting on confidently, like that can only go so far. Like there's other people that want to see that data, want to see why that makes sense for them. And in the world of data and tons of content out there, you can probably piece together. If, it, if you think it makes sense anyway, I'm sure you can come up with something or a presentation or something that's going to be like, this is mutually beneficial. This isn't just for me. This is how it's going to impact you um, directly. Um, and this is why, you know what I mean? Kind of show them that that avenue. Um, but yeah, everything might be different. I, I like to be a more direct. Maybe I'm just more lazy and I don't want to do all of that work. Um, but I think there is um, there's definitely times where you're going to have to kind of show them the way that the data, what you're seeing in the industry. And once again, comes around to try to be that industry expert, know what's going on, kind of guide them to where you think um, it is going and you know it's going in a way. Sean, that is an amazing point you just said right there. It, like, what can you do for them? You got to be completely selfless. Yeah. In the relationship. Like, yeah. I, I know, like, you know we were members in Outbound. It's like, hey, like, what is the person on the opposite side of the phone or email? Like, what's in it for them? Like, what's yeah. in it for your channel partner? Not what's in it for Sean, Brendan, Ethan? Like, I think that it's so, so important to develop a strong partnership and relationship with your oh, God, yeah. Your channel partners. It's never about you. And that should just be where it's a presentation generally to selling to anything like that. And I know Jason and Outbound, Outbound Squad really preach that. And I, I think that's so true in partnership sales, wherever it isn't about you. Think about it how through their point of view, think of it how the prospect works. Look at their job description. What do they do? Like there's so many things that, that's relevant to in sales that you have to get away from your own ego and, and what it's the, that commission check or whatever, whatever the case may be. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, 
I have, I have one more question here and then we're, we're about out of time because <clears throat> I think you have some nuggets you can drop here. Cause what I see happen a lot is people get some partners, channel partners, and you, you alluded to this earlier around, you know, enabling them and, and helping them sell your thing. Yeah. And that all just gets dropped miserably a lot. And you don't understand why I'm not getting some things from my channel partners. And, you know, like, well, they don't know how to like talk about what you do, man. Um, so yeah. I guess like, how do you drive more alignment with your channel partners? What are some things folks can do to you know help enable them? What are some things you've seen be successful there? Yes. But if you think of a company that's hiring a lot or it's a bigger company than you, then maybe all those people aren't as updated on what it is you do, or they just don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do you stay relevant and how do you stay relevant with them? I think there's a multitude of things you can do is you have to stay in front of them. So you have to schedule things like presentations with them. Hey, add them to your, maybe there's a marketing newsletter. Hey, this is what's new with X, Y, and Z company. Um, sending them videos. It's so easy now to send a video that they can now send on your behalf that you don't have to do. Send that to the customer success leader, build that relationship with them and be like, Hey, can you send us the customer success once a quarter? We're building capability. That's new. We just want to make sure everything's fresh. Once again, building that relationship with them, maybe a top down, down approach, or maybe you have your AEs that have building relationships with their AEs. Start sending them videos every once in a while. Hey, this is what we're up to once a month, once a quarter. Videos are a great way to uh, convey what's going on faster and more efficiently. And then they can share those, those videos or that video or even create a video library that they can quickly share to a prospect. Make sure that your prospect knows when they say a specific word, that means your company. So how can I get that into that AE or the channel partner and stuff like that? That's keeping them updated. That's staying on top of them. Now there's things that are going to fall through the cracks and there's sometimes you don't have enough bandwidth to handle it. I understand that, but look at revenue as, as a whole, where you're getting your most revenue. Let's focus on that. Let's stay on them. That's where the revenue is coming. Let's stay with those videos. Let's stay with the best incentives. Let's look at that. What can we do to bolster that? Because in the grand macro thing, when things start, shit starts hanging the fan, you have to focus on those because those are going to be the ones that keeps your head above the water, keeps the revenue coming in. You know what I mean? If those are really crucial for you. So I think staying relevant to them through incentives, videos, who doing presentations, bugging them. Hey, can I do a presentation for that customer success team or AE team? We have something new that we want to show them. No. Okay, perfect. Can I send that video for you virtually? You know what I mean? Like things like that. You'll know pretty fast if that person's in your corner, if they say yes, right? You'll start to realize, yeah, no, they're maybe they maybe they got another partner that does something better than you. You start to realize they're like, shit, maybe that relationship didn't work out. Um, and you get to know that pretty fast because they're not really adhering to your request or it's someone new, but you have to do that, tread that a bit lightly. But I think staying relevant and on top of it and in front of them all the time so they know there's a new AE that's never sold something on your behalf or anything like that, or maybe it's just a consultant or whatever the case may be, they know when someone says that word, okay, yeah, no, they think of your company. And we have this video, I don't even have to go to Sean, that I can share you and that's what we're doing this past month. Boom. They've already done it on your behalf. You didn't even have to do anything, but they remember because you've stayed on top of them, you know, but some people don't have enough bandwidth. So that there's, there's things you have to start to prioritize due to revenue and relationships and all that, which gets kind of complex too. Yeah. I mean, it's prioritizing just like prospecting, right. And like spending time yeah. on the prospects that are engaging with you. And, and that's where we're going to spend time, do the same thing with channel partners. That makes total yeah. sense. And I, even what you said about the videos and those drips, like, 
I don't know if you do this, but just an idea that popped in my head. I was like, hey, do you have like an onboarding thing you use for your AEs? Because I'd love to put like a few little video series together to tell, you know, so they can watch a couple little videos around your partners and, and what they have available to them and, and how they benefit from it and like where they get help if they need help, you know, in a sales cycle or, or something like that. So I love all this, man. This has been, uh, this has been good. I think it's underutilized at least properly <laughs> in, uh, in this world. Like people do it, put out content, do webinars and podcasts, but it's just being very under leveraged. And I think it really comes all back to this theme of how can I help you? And when that's like the mindset behind the content, behind everything that you do, I think people just in general, they will reciprocate. And like it happened to me this week, dude, I transitioned a new role this week and people that I've sold to years ago have found out about it. I get, I've gotten four texts this week alone from folks. Hey, saw the da, da, da. I just had a meeting with a CRO. I pitched you hard. It's a great fit. I'm gonna do an intro. Like and people would call that luck, but that's called return on investment from a lot of time in the past. <laughs> uh, but being a good person, you know, um, you help them at some point, they're going to come back around again, you know? Yeah. Love it. Well, um, Sean, really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I think there's a lot of been a lot of value here for, you know, both sales leaders and, and individuals of how maybe they can get the ball started a little bit and rolling on their own and some good yeah. ideas they can use and spice up their, um, you know, their uh, quota attainment. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, Sean, anything you want to plug? Where do you want to, you know, where can folks find you? Anything you want to, you know, say before we cut off here? Yeah, for sure. If anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Sean Paulseth, P-A-U-L-S-E-T-H. Happy to connect, happy to network. I think networking is obviously key. Um, helps with future jobs, all of that kind of stuff. Happy to give you links or happy to give you any tips or anything like that. Um, and then reciprocated as well. So happy to, to be part of that community. So appreciate it, Ethan. Awesome. I will link up Sean's uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And uh, thanks again. That's a wrap, folks. See you next time. Thanks, Sean. 